Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. How did you get started in this field of psi and mind over matter and all that? Yeah, so for me it started when I was very young. I was five years old and I had an experience. I, I realized that I could see people's energy. I could read their consciousness. I knew what was going on with them and how to heal them. Uh, I also could see spirit beings and communicate with them. So, of course, at the time, at five years old, you don't think anything. You think everybody, you know, all kids can do that. That's right. You know, uh, and so it was very natural. It felt it, it wasn't scary or anything like that. So because of this, I continued to um, expand on it and research and go deeper into the subject. I, I kept asking the question, like, what did my brain do in order to, you know, receive these telepathic messages or see people's energy and know things before they happen. And so because of this, I got into the field of consciousness and I developed a whole methodology that I called Omnium, (laughs) which actually means... Change it to Optimum. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, actually, I w- it, it actually means something important to me, which is the, ba- ba- the basis of all of my methodology and teaching. Uh, omnia means a particle of the whole. And basically, everything, your body is part of a larger, bigger consciousness. And if you understand that principle, you can heal yourself because you tap into a larger unified field of all mm-hmm. knowing, if you will. And so I developed a methodology for healing and for consciousness expansion. And as I was doing healing on other people, um, I realized, of course, things were happening. They would be sick, and all of a sudden they're not sick, or they're in pain, and then they're not in pain. So after doing this with hundreds of people for years and years and years, I realized what I was doing is mind over matter because I was affecting the chemistry um, and the physiology of those people. And so that got me very intrigued. And then I started working with scientists to quantify, like, how can we measure that? And this is how, you know, it got me into this whole world of mind over matter and Eventually, I wanted to do a film about it. Would you call it supernatural, Caroline? Um, you know, it's to me, it's so natural. That's why it's kind of mind-boggling. For you, too, George, I'm sure you're so used to it because you've been in this field for so long. Yeah. It's such a natural phenomenon. It's kind of strange that people still call it supernatural. Um, and I think everyone is born with this ability. We just don't know how to harness it. We don't know what it is, first of all. And we don't know how to master it. And so that's the reason why we, you know, we keep calling it supernatural, paranormal. So I'm hoping, actually, with this film, to make it, to make it a little bit more acceptable and, you know, relatable and more mainstream, I'm hoping. Yeah, we'll get into this film in just a second, but what do you mean by mind over matter? What really is that definition? So it's the ability of the consciousness, the focus of your mind to have a physiological effect, a physical effect on a physical substance. Is it like like telekinesis, moving objects, things like that? It could be anything. It could be water. 
Uh, it could be an electrical device, an electronic device, or a piece of paper uh, that is, uh, you know, telekinesis. Uh, or, for example, in the movie we've demonstrated, uh, we showed many people, not just kids, but adults as well from all around the world, who are able to read, for example, and, and work and play and do all kinds of stuff completely blindfolded. And so, and we were able to test that scientifically to see, uh, to measure the amount of light in their mask, so to prove that there was no light, and yet they were able, through the power, the concentration of their mind, transcend their visual, their normal ability to perceive, uh, and they could just function without their physical eyes. I mean, that is the mastery of mind over matter. It's incredible. Can be? Can we be trained to do this, or do you have to be born with the gift? I think everybody's born with the potential. And so, and in fact, a lot of children, just like myself, uh, spontaneously tap into it. They all of a sudden they start to see things and sense things, and that everybody else, you know, people around them cannot see. And so they're extremely sensitive to um, things that are non-physical and non-visible. But what happens is, of course, everybody around them tells them, "Hey, there's nothing there. Stop doing that. Don't talk to invisible things." You know. <laughs> So before you know it, they shut it down. You know, we shut down this ability, this natural um, ability that we all have. And because of this, you have to kind of retrain yourself. You have to relearn all of this. So having said that, even for those who are very sensitive, even for myself, there's still training to be done. Like you still have to, especially with the the blindfolds or the telekinesis, you have to kind of figure out how your consciousness is connecting to this physical object or this physical substance and figure out how to improve it, how to move it, how to make it do one thing versus another. I mean, it's a whole discovery and definitely training. Tell us about Superhuman, the invisible made visible. So Superhuman, so so like I said, because I've been doing this for, for so many years, I said, okay, it's time to <laughs> show people that this is not just talk. This is not It's just real. Theory. Yeah. yeah, it's not just a theory. Because, you know, uh, we've been hearing, uh, we've been told for years and years and years now that thinking positive thoughts affect your health, affect your, your stress level, your mind affects your physical reality, uh, all of that. Okay, we know this now, but what I wanted to show in the film is how, how that is actually happening. So we not only show people who are demonstrating these skills, but we do experiments and demonstrations, um, you know, with scientists to, to show how the mind is actually, we take measurement, we use devices, and we show the before and after, so to speak. Interesting, since yeah. you were doing so this. These, because these are scientific experiments, you, you know, it's no longer a theory. It's like, okay, this is how or why we can say if I am, um, if my consciousness is focusing on water, we've measured the pH of water over several days, over several hours, and we have a measurement now. That is the baseline. And the moment that I choose to focus my intent on the pH, 
the the measurement changes it, and it shoots up you know 100% 200% 400% depending on the day and and the minute that i stop focusing on it it goes back to the baseline and then we repeat it again and again and again and so this is how we know scientifically that it is the consciousness the intent that had this physiological this physical effect and measurable effect on water so. Yeah, Dr. Emoto, before he passed on, was a guest in our studio years ago, Caroline, and, you know, talked about his experiments with water by playing nice music or harsh music, uh, depending on how you look at it. But when he would look under frozen water samples under a microscope, the water that was exposed to what we would call pleasant music looked gorgeous. I mean, yeah. beautiful. And then the music that was exposed to the harsh music was just scattered everywhere under a microscope. Looked unbelievable. Exactly, exactly. So he did this incredible, very visual demonstration of how uh, the intent actually has an effect um, on the water. And we did with pH, for example, in the film, uh, we measured the pH of water and we intended to raise it up or bring it down. And that also, that experiment also was done by William Tiller, uh, I think in the 80s. And he was very successful um, demonstrating how the consciousness, the intent can change the pH in water. And so that's what we redid. We redid that in the film. And of course, we did many others in the film, but just as an example... So we were able to replicate it over and over. And that is, to me, the reason why I wanted to redo this experiment in the film is to demonstrate, you know, we're made of water. And so if we can change and we know that an acidic environment is not good for the body, it's usually attracting right. attracts viruses or bacteria. And so if you can change the um, the pH in the water, then you can change it in your body. So if you can do that over and over, then you can maintain a perfect pH in your body and therefore um, be able to neutralize viruses and bacteria. So this is very significant. That is, is the reason why I wanted to redo this experiment. Is consciousness, does it originate in the brain or outside of the physical brain? Yeah, this is a great question. So um, it's definitely, definitely to me, um, because of all these experiments and the experiences that I've had and I've had with many others as well, um, I can definitely say that consciousness is fundamental, meaning it, is, it comes before anything else existed. Um, it's, it's a primal substance. Uh, that that comes in contact with the physical world. In fact, from I think the physical world comes from consciousness after consciousness. So it's the other way around. And so it's definitely it's interacting with the physical brain, but it's not a result of the brain functioning. So it sounds like you're saying it's outside of the brain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's outside of the brain. It takes on, when you take on a body, you incarnate in a body. Now it's part of your brain, and it's interacting with uh, your brain. 
And so, for example, when you, of course, there's the autonomic nervous system that is telling your brain, uh, your body how to breathe and how to, you know, do the things or digest your food or whatever. You don't have to, that is kind of an automatic system. But when you, um, that system doesn't tell you what a career path or who to choose to, you know, to have a relationship with or whatever. Those bigger questions or decisions or, for example, free will um, topics come from a higher consciousness space. It's not your brain that, that comes up with this idea. It's your higher consciousness that, that wants to attract those experiences that then triggers your physical brain to have a feeling about it so then you can, that triggers you to uh, go out and look for a job or, you know, connect with this person or find this relationship and so on and so forth. So to me, that's a very, very clear understanding of how consciousness is the originator of free will and our higher understanding or higher knowledge. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.